Hi, welcome to issue 20 of the Attention Span newsletter by me, Janan Marashligil. I'm a writer, a literary translator and an artist based in Amsterdam. And every other week I take the time to reflect, uh, reflect, <laughs> also reflex, reflect, and offer a glimpse of how I see and feel uh, the world through the lens of culture, art, translation, poetry, and literature. Uh, this is the audio version of the newsletter and sometimes I'm delayed in recording it like this issue was sent already two weeks ago and today I sent issue 21 so I'm gonna try to record both of them so you will get if you're listening today you will get two episodes in one um, and uh, I'm very thankful for your presence and for your attention this issue issue 20 is titled from the streets to the page, on multilingualism and hospitality in literary translation. In L'Imaginaire des Langues, a series of interviews between Lise Gauvin and writer Édouard Glissant, Glissant tells how today a writer who does not know any other language does consider when writing, even unconsciously, the existence of other languages around them. One can no longer write a language in a monolingual manner. He says, and I quote, we have to take into account the imaginary worlds of languages, end quote. And this is my translation. The original French text is, on est obligé de tenir compte des imaginaires des langues. When people ask which language of the source language or the target language you need to know better when translating, I always respond that you need to know as many languages as possible. And I believe, like Edouard Glissant, that we all have many languages within our imaginations. I have used the verb know when referring to the language level, as I avoid the idea of mastering when discussing any type of knowledge. When you translate a text, you need many different skill sets, and each work you will touch on will need a renewed version of these. Translation is an ongoing process of learning and discovering, not different than life, really. Can you translate into a language you never ever read in or engage with on a deep level? Probably not, because your imagination needs to be filled with the languages you are working with. But this by no means equates literature as being essentially monolingual. Every language comes with its own heritage and imagination, linked to a geography, a political and cultural history. These are never monolithic. Oftentimes, I come to a translation via another language, and sometimes one that isn't even directly related to any of the two languages I'm working with within a translation project. A recent example occurred as I was translating from Dutch to, into English. Reading the sentence, Som it's what gezochte, I could feel the meaning in Turkish, and please do note the highlight on the verb feel, but not in English immediately. I arrived at the translation far-fetched via the Turkish zorlama. The process, this process happens to me with French too, and sometimes with another language I don't even know that well, but have heard in a song read in a book, from a character on a TV show, or have encountered in my neighborhood, in a cafe, in the city I live in or am visiting. 
Translation is at the center of everything I do as a writer, a literary translator, and an artist working across media. Outside the page, the city has over the years become an immense resource for my multilingual mind and body. I am a flaneuse, a practitioner of what is called flanerie, which can be described as idle wandering and was mostly practiced by urban men in mid-19th century metropolises. Because of its dominantly male narrative within literature, I choose to define myself with the feminine form of the flaneur in this particular context. Renowned flaneurs include Charles Baudelaire, Walter Benjamin, Franz Hessel and Edgar Allan Poe, who all have provided descriptions of flanerie throughout their work. Benjamin's collection of notes in the Arcades Project catalogues everyday life in 19th century Paris and provides a rich material on the figure of the flaneur. Strolling becomes engagement with public space. When I walk, I observe, get lost, and find myself in the many human traces left across the urban space. This urge to leave its mark on the spaces we inhabit is not new in the history of humanity. The flaneuse will find many results of multilingual self-expression on shop windows, street names, billboards, advertisements, slogans, graffiti, clothes, artworks, trash, traffic signage, ghost signs, and even more. The moment you start to look for languages around you, you will never experience the spaces you hold in the same way. In Walking the City, Michel de Certeau writes that the act of walking is to the urban system what the speech act is to language or to the statements uttered. He goes on, offering the possibility to give a preliminary definition of walking as a space of enunciation. What interests me here is the link between language and the physical act of walking and how in this essay the Certeau tells in a way that by walking in the city, pedestrians are telling a story. This physical movement is central in my own practice as a translator, which has led me to create my own project to document these experiences and process as City in Translation, and I will link to the website in the show notes. The stories that unfold from my explorations uh, through walking can be seen as an example to reclaim the stories that have been made invisible by institutions. Flaneusing in urban spaces in search of these stories is in itself an act of resistance against established structures and also power. As the child of immigrant parents, my reality has been rooted in movement between places, languages, emotions. In French, the word OU changes its definition with only one accent. OU without an accent means OR, whereas OU with an accent means WHERE. I see this as movement too. Getting rid of the accent to transform place, WHERE, into a choice, OR. To the question, where are you from, I can now very confidently answer Amsterdam or Brussels without rejecting my heritage or the city where I was born, but I will choose how I define myself in public space. In Une autobiographie allemande, a correspondence conversation between Hélène Sixou and Cécile Wachbro, 
uh, a book I've asked my father, who had spent his teenage years in Germany, to write a note inside in German about his connection to that other home of his. So in that book, Sixou writes the following. Mais Babel là-dedans, la séparation, la dispersion. Pour moi, la séparation aura, aurait lieu si je ne pouvais me rendre à dans l'autre langue, si j'étais privée des bonheurs de l'hospitalité, du goût de l'étrangeté, un goût d'autre, un autre goût. But what about Babel? The separation, the dispersion. To me, separation will, would take place if I could not come to, into the other language, if I were deprived of the joys of hospitality, of the taste of strangeness, a taste of other, another taste. This is my translation. An attempt. <laughs> I love Sixu's reference to hospitality as a taste of other, another taste, and not the other. Writer Chris Keulemans has written a whole book about hospitality titled Gasfreiheit, which I've personally read as a plaidoyer for solidarity, resistance, and love. Gasfreiheit is the Dutch word for hospitality, but the English word doesn't immediately capture the many layers of the Dutch word, which, when literally dissected, translate as guest freedom. You need to go back to the Latin origin of the English version to find the host, the one offering hospice to those in need. Xenia, an ancient Greek concept of hospitality, is almost always translated as guest friendship of, or a ritualized friendship. The German word also has friendship in it, hast Freundschaft. The Turkish word is Misafir Parvar, which is a combination of the Arabic word Musafir, meaning traveler, and it has now entered the Turkish language as Misafir to mean guest, and the Persian word Parvar, uh, meaning to feed, to take care, or to educate, but has also another meaning, which is to adore, as in Vatan Parvar, uh, to refer to the love of the country. The Turkish word for hasfrehe today is defined by the one who likes receiving guests. Throughout the book, Keulemans, who is the founder of many cultural spaces in Amsterdam, such as Perdu, the Bali, and the Tolherstein, shows, through his personal and professional experiences and encounters across the globe, meeting artists, writers, cultural makers, etc., from different cultural and political contexts, how Gastfreiheit is the essence of creating spaces where people can truly share and grow without the pressure of always having to pay back. It's about opening your world to others and welcoming them into your home, your community, your context so that in turn the people you welcome will do the same for the next person they meet, and so on. It is not about a give-and-take mentality, but rather about creating these spaces, holding space, to use Aminata Cairo's term, for various communities to be together on an equal footing. It is this search, or rather yearning, for Hasfreiheit, the freedom to be a guest, 
to be welcomed and welcome anyone else, the so-called other in public space, pushed me to develop City in Translation, which has led me back to Glissant's initial observation that no writer ever writes in a monolingual manner. And that is why, as literary translators, we will only but gain from allowing our multilingual imaginations into the process of translation. Every work of translation carries a text into the literature of another language. Writer and photographer Teju Cole writes in his beautiful essay on carrying and being carried, published in his collection Black Paper, Writing in a Dark Time. I love how he uses the verb to carry, which holds so much care, tenderness, and effort in its definition and existence. It feels to me another definition of Hasfreiheit in all its complexity. While celebrating translation and applauding the work of literary translators, Cole avoids falling into the trap that literature and art make us more empathetic by definition. He brings a much-needed nuance into the idea of empathy through his act of carrying, illustrating how translation is a way to carry from one shore to another, just like a boat carries refugees. An image filled with hope and violence. An urgent plea for literary translation to exist in a multilingual imagination and reject binary definitions of language, identity, and literature. The street reminds me again of this as I encountered Toni Morrison in Amsterdam in one of my flaneuzing on a summer's day in 2020. From her noble lecture in 1993, she finds her way in urban space through the gesture of a reader who was passionate enough to print her words and stick them onto a wall. We die. That may be the meaning of life. But we do language. That may be the measure of our lives. I will link to all the, the works I have referred to in the essay in the show notes, including Walter Benjamin, Aminata Cairo, Hélène Sixou, Teju Cole, Michel de Certeau, Edouard Glissant, Chris Curlemans, and of course, Toni Morrison and her A Link to Her Noble Lecture. Before I leave you, I want to also share the notebook page I, I have shared in the newsletter. This notebook page is, is actually a collage with some Japanese paper, dried flower, the image of the sea. And on top of it, I have uh, I've pasted um, a poem that was published in The New Yorker years ago, entitled Blue Song by Tennessee Williams. And it's one of my favorite poems, which I would like to read to you now. I am tired. I am tired of speech and of action. If you should meet me upon the street, do not question me, for I can tell you only my name and the name of the town I was born in. But that is enough. It does not matter whether tomorrow arrives anymore if there is only this night and after it is morning, it will not matter now. I am tired. I am tired of speech and of action. In the heart of me you will find a tiny handful of dust. Take it and blow it out upon the wind. 
Let the wind have it, and it will find its way home. Thank you so much for listening, for following, for your patience also, as I am sometimes delayed in in, uh, recording the podcast version of the newsletter. And if you would like to support my work, I do have a Patreon page, um, patreon.com slash the attention span for $3 a month. And I am also like trying to develop um, a community space where we can exchange uh, about the topics I am sharing here in the newsletter. And I will talk to you again very soon. Thank you. Bye.